Welcome back. See, I told you the background would be different eventually. Can you see the ocean? It's there. It's there behind the trees. Uh, if you can't see the ocean, you'll just have to take it on faith. It's there. It's, it's this, I think, that blurry. Well, anyway, let's get to the reading, shall we? Um, I do want to get through uh, the rest of this book relatively soon because we are going to be back in New Delhi with the Pali scriptures soon. And uh, then I can decide which one to start with. But um, first, we're going to finish these Jain Sutras. So I'll jump right in. Um, if this is your first time seeing me, click here instead. That'll take you to the whole playlist, starting with the Dhammapada episode one. If you're listening on the podcast and you're not seeing me at all, and this is your first time hearing my voice, then hello, nice to meet you. Um, yeah, you can you can jump in with this episode and see if you see if you like the the flow. Otherwise, uh, if you want to sort by date and you know earliest to latest and just start with the first one. There's a special episode just for the people on the podcast that you won't hear if you're on YouTube. So hopefully that'll make up for the lack of visuals and the fact that I'm always talking to the people on YouTube. Anyway, for those of you who um, who are here for the Jayan Sutras, you clicked on it because it said Jayan Sutras, but you're a little confused because it says Buddhist books, Jayan Sutras, and in your mind you're thinking, these are two different things. Click here, and that'll take you to episode one of the Jayan Sutras playlist of the Edward Reeves Buddhist Books podcast, and uh, that'll explain why we're talking about Jayan Sutras on a Buddhist Books podcast, and it's a lot of fun, that episode. If you haven't seen it yet, do check that out. It's better than this one. I don't know how good this one's going to be, but um, I think that one's better. Okay. Picking up where we left off, you remember last time we were talking about the native people of the Andaman Islands. That's not in this book. That was just straight out of my brain and Wikipedia and a few other places. Um, but we did cover the renunciation of the four passions. So right after that is the five great vows. Let's jump right in, shall we? Number one. Non-violence. <clears throat> Sarva, Sarva Pranatipata Viramana. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. This vow is undertaken to avoid violence of the body, mind, and speech towards all creatures. Pranatipata refers to the ten pranas, such as the five senses, the body, mind, and speech, breath, and uh, we said there'd be ten, so let's throw in longevity. That's ten, nice even number. That's my interpretive. Anyway, uh, viramana means to give up. I give up. No, I think it means to like to give up. Like in this case, you know, like you're giving up something for Lent, you know, like not, uh, I give up. Uh, you know, it's the opposite of that. It's I am on the path. I am proclaiming that I am doing the opposite of giving up and giving up. 
Know what I mean? Okay. Thus, to destroy the prana of any creature is violence. To give up violence is non-violence. Sounds reasonable to me. Okay, next. The second of the five great vows is truthfulness. Sarva mirsavada viramana. Did I do okay? Okay. This vow includes the giving up of all kinds of untruths. Okay. Mirsa means untruth and vada means argument. Thus, one must give up all sorts of untruth. So, okay. Uh, number three, non-stealing. Hey, these sound familiar from the yamas and niyamas. I think maybe uh, Mr. Uh, Patanjali was borrowing a little hmm, from Jainism, you think, maybe? Someone was borrowing from someone, that's for sure. When I was in Nepal uh, back in 2017, I was talking, did I tell you this already? No, I don't think I did. I was talking to my friend Ajay. Hi, Ajay, if you're watching. <clears throat> and uh, I was talking about yoga and he was saying, well, yoga is much more than, you know, just stretching. And I was saying, well, yes, of course, the Patanjali, uh, you know, the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali state that, you know, the, you know, or something I was quoting, Patanjali, and he's, he was laughing and says, Patanjali, yoga's much older than Patanjali. And, and, uh, and I said, yes, that's true. And also, the Patanjali you're thinking of is not the Patanjali I'm talking about. For those of you outside India, Patanjali is a brand of not very good Ayurvedic products that are um, owned, run, the, the, it connect, connected in, by name and contract to a certain Ram Dev, who is an excellent yoga teacher and a funny man, funny, funny yoga teacher, famous man. That's his name, right, Ram Dev? Yeah. And uh, and his brand is called Patanjali, and it's everywhere. Everywhere you look in India, you see Patanjali brand, Patanjali on a sign, Patanjali this, and uh, so it's no wonder that you know someone would think Patanjali. That's just the brand, but yeah, it's named after somebody. The guy who wrote the Yoga Sutras. Actually, he didn't write them, he spoke them. Somebody was listening and wrote it down. Anyway, that's how I understood it. Anyway, so these all sound very familiar with that, from that, which means that there's definitely some crossover between Jainism and Yogacarya Buddhism. Huh? And if Alan Watts is right, never mind. Let's keep moving, shall we? Non-stealing. Sarva atadana viramana. This vow refers to not accepting such objects which have been stolen, Mother Teresa, or which do not belong to one's self. Right? He should have known he was shady, right? That suit? Okay. Uh, number four. Chastity. Yes, we went over that in episode uh, nine, didn't we? Uh, sarva maituna. Maituna. Ma, it's not your tuna. Don't steal. Sorry, sorry. Sarv, sarva, even if you're sarving, 
Don't eat my tuna. I'm just helping you memorize these. Sarva maituna viramana. This vow refers to abstaining from all carnal activities of the body, mind, and speech, all of which are prohibited by monks before Tantra came around. Number five, non-possessiveness. I don't think there's a Tantric Jainism. If there is, comment below. <clears throat> Non-possessiveness. Sarva parigraha viramana. In yoga, it's just called aparigraha. And here it's called sarva parigraha viramana. Ask someone who pronounces Sanskrit um, how it's properly pronounced. I'm just going to do that. This vow includes giving up all kinds of possessions. It does not permit monks to own any money or wealth. It also cautions the monks not to become attached to those few objects that they are permitted to possess for undertaking their sadhana. <clears throat> so it's pretty hardcore, basically. It's a hardcore path. <clears throat> Excuse me. These great vows, known as the Mahavratas, prescribe a strict code of conduct for the monks. All the five vows described above are to be strictly followed through body, mind, and speech. These great vows can be followed only by the monks and not by the householders. Well, yeah. For the householder, lesser vows, or anuvratas, are prescribed. Ooh, that's interesting. Which means he follows these five vows to a limited extent. So chastity accepts, you know, you have babies, right? You have to steal a little bit, you know. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Don't steal. Next. Five-fold conduct. One, conduct relating to knowledge, jnanakara. One must increase one's knowledge and that of others. This includes documentation of scriptural knowledge, preservation of it, and extending all support to those to those who endeavor to do this. Hmm. I don't know if I fall in that category, but if I do, you're welcome. All right. Uh, number two, conduct relating to vision, darshanakara. To follow the right vision and to help others follow it, as well as to bring back the aspirants who have strayed from the path and relocate them. All right. Uh, number three, conduct relating to character. Ke. Conduct relating to character. Um, or karitrakara. I think that might be one of those Indo European, proto Indo European uh, root phenomena. Character, karitrakara. Very similar, very similar. Anyway. 
to follow nonviolence and other such pure and meritorious ideologies, ooh, uh, and to help others follow them, to encourage those with good conduct, to give up the wrong code of conduct, and follow the right code is known as Kari Trakara. Cool. Four, conduct conduct relating to austerity or tapakara. Tapas, anyone? The 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 niyamas. To follow and guide others towards the path of external and internal austerity. And to extol those who adhere to them is the main aim of this code, which defines an individual's very conduct. The external austerities are physical acts, such as penance and fasting, to name a few. That was two. A few means to be three or more. Sorry. Um, just don't mean to be picky, but... Okay. Scriptural study, meditation, humility, etc., fall under the category of internal austerities. And number five, conduct relating to energy. Okay, viryakara, to carry out religious activities, such as pratikramana, pratilekana, etc., with absolute vigor is necessary. One must not allow obstacles such as laziness, the laziness and lethargy, or if you put them together you get laziness, uh, to block the path. Rather, one must remove the baggage of wrong conduct of body, mind, and speech and steer all energy towards the right path. All right. So that's two lists of five. How about another list of five? Huh? All right. The five samitis, or regulations. Ooh, all right. The meaning of samiti is self-regulation. There are five areas in which one must exercise vigilance and discipline as follows. One. Regulation while walking, or irya samiti. One must tread carefully while walking so that no creature is crushed under one's careless feet. I guarantee if you have ever heard of Jainism before hearing all this, one thing that you knew was that. Um, that was the one thing that I retained from learning about Jainism in history class in high school. And it wasn't even like Asian history. It was world history. From eighth grade world history, I remember that the Jainists have little brooms and they don't want to step on any, any small creatures because all life is sacred. That's the only thing I remembered from Jainism. They forgot to mention that Jainism had uh, developed in exactly the same spot as Buddhism, but millennia earlier. That would have been an interesting piece of knowledge to have, but they, they did say that Jainism was similar to Buddhism, but Buddhism became more popular. So we're breaking that down in this uh, podcast, especially in these recent episodes. Okay, 
Next, number two, regulation while conversing, or basa samiti. One must speak with discrimination. So be sure to discriminate against people. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, hence, one must engage in truthful, beneficial, restrained, genuine, and pleasant talk only. That's probably why they're silent most of the time. How do you only talk in those with those five things, those five qualifiers? I don't know. Some people think that in order to be truthful, you need to be frank and blunt and unkind. But if you're pleasant and beneficial, beneficial means to help. So someone could be truthful and think they're being beneficial by being an asshole, you know. Um, but restrained, pleasant. Genuine seems like, you know, synonymous with truthful, but maybe if we get into the, that's another list of five, isn't it? I wonder if this comes from Sanskrit. Probably not. Okay, <clears throat> let's just move along, shall we? I think we get the gist. Number three, regulation while receiving alms. So for all you beggars out there, where did you get this phone? Whose Wi-Fi are you connected to? All right. When you're out there receiving alms, this is useful for you, surely, uh, or esana samiti, one must exercise caution while receiving alms to accept alms only in limited qualities. Quantities, quantities. <laughs> only in limited quantities and to ensure that the giver has some food left for him is necessary for the spiritual path. Once when uh, these guys were ripping me off in Nepal, hi, if you're watching, um, you know, they were asking for all this money and, and they noticed I was giving my last, the last of my money out of my wallet. And he was saying, that's, that's, no, no, keep this, keep this, like 10 Nepali rupees in your wallet, you know, for good luck. It's not good to have an empty wallet. I go to the ATM and come back. Anyway, uh, number four, regulation while handling religious artifacts. Adana Niksepa Samiti. <clears throat> it is important to take care of the objects in one's possessions and to keep them in a neat and orderly manner. All right. Well, that's one, one of all of these lists. I think that's the first one that I actually adhere to. Uh, pretty religiously, you might say. All right. And number five, regulation while disposing. I mean, I don't go out of my way to step on snails and stuff. If I see one, I say, oh, you know, I, I better not step on it. But I also am not like, sometimes I just, I'm looking ahead and going, oh, 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 I stepped on something. So I'll work on that one. Bring a broom. Uh, for those of you who, who feel like, uh, you know, buying my books. Uh, the Small Gray Mouse and Other Short Stories has, has a, a story about a, a man who takes up that practice. I believe his name is Joe Bob with a hyphen. Anyway, number five, regulation while disposing of bodily wastes. Oh, this sounds fun. Utsarga Samiti. One must dispose of bodily wastes in a place that is uninhabited by humans or other creatures. Whoa. Wow. I mean, 
you can't dispose of bodily wastes, at least not on earth, not, not in the deepest trenches and not in the, in the highest parts of the stratosphere. That's a tough one. I, I mean, surely there must be some leeway. Maybe they mean like visible creatures, like don't go to like where the cats are all hanging out and just plop it down there. Okay, let's move along, shall we? We've got another list and we've still got lots of time. Oh, oh my God, guys, we're gonna finish this, uh, this chapter on this sutra today. I didn't know that until just now. Let's go for it. <clears throat> the three Guptis. Oh, we learned about Guptis in uh, episode nine of JN Sutras, didn't we? Guptis, Guptis restraints. All right. Sometimes my arms bend back. Uh, the meaning of Gupti is control, it's a Twin Peaks thing, is control or restraint. This means to protect the soul from worldly passions. So the opposite of, of that other thing. To pursue the path of control with body, mind, and speech. All right, so the three, the three Guptis, the three restraints. One, restraint of mind. Man, oh Gupti. I'm just saying it that way to help you remember. Man, oh Gupti. All right, Manogupti. One must refrain from resolves which are sinful or harmful. To control the mind and its fluctuations, oh, sounds a little bit like Yoga Sutras. Uh, verse two, chapter one, verse two. Uh, the Lord spoke, spake and saith, Timothy, <clears throat> no, 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 there's a different scripture. To control the mind and its fluctuations. Okay, I'm failing at that right now, aren't I? And to disallow the entry of negative thoughts is an ideal way to live. Okay. Two, restraint over speech. Vakana gupti. To avoid speaking unnecessarily. To stay calm and silent to avoid commenting over every incident and action is a necessary exercise in life. Can anyone shut the, be seen inside? Anyway, number three, restraint over body, kaya gupti. One must exercise physical composure and train the body to be still rather than display restlessness and engage in unnecessarily bodily movements, such as shifting about on one's feet, getting up unnecessarily and often while seated, etc. Thus, <clears throat> Samitis and Guptis are the fundamentals that determine the spiritual path. The Jayana scriptures consider these as the Pravakana Matas, or eight articles of creed. They are considered as the mothers of spiritual discourses. By these, the existing karmas cease, and new karmas are not allowed entry.
there might be some folks who are kind of like new to the whole karma thing and think, yeah, it's karma, man. Yeah, karma. Oh, it's all about karma. It's all, it's your karma. Yeah, good karma, bad karma, you know, but um, in this context, we don't, karma is something you don't want. So you want less of it. And uh, so, so these exercises help to get rid of karma and keep new karma from coming in. So the way that it was explained to me uh, was that if you do a thing and you're attached to the action of doing it, then you've created karma. But if you do a thing just from the kindness of your heart and you're not attached to it, you didn't create any karma. So you see someone who needs food, you have some extra food, you can give them the food because you're a kind person, you know, or whatever. That's fine, you haven't created karma. But if you think, ah, now is my opportunity to build up good karma, or now I will show myself, or I will prove to myself, or I'll prove that guy who called me selfish, that bastard, I'll prove him wrong within myself, or maybe someone's looking, or at least to this guy who's hungry, he'll look at me and think, ah, that is a generous man. And then you give him the food, you've just created a buttload of karma. So you didn't actually help anybody. I mean, maybe you helped the guy get something to eat, but you didn't help yourself. If you're trying to help yourself, you're not gonna help yourself. It's a paradox, isn't it? That's okay. All right. Maybe it's all just BS, right? Okay, Sam Samitis and Guptis. The difference between these two can be understood by knowing that while Samitis are regulations of one's actions, Guptis are restraints exercised by the aspirant in activities of body, mind, and speech for a specified duration. Thus, we see that the avoidance of negative actions is gupti. Oh, that, that must be like where the vow of silence thing comes in. Okay. And the progress toward positive actions is samiti. Okay. Sounds good to me. And that concludes our uh, discussion or our reading of the translation and commentary of Upadhyaya Amar Muni on the Guru Guna Smarana Sutra, also known as the Panchi, Panchindaya Sutra, I think is how I've seen it written. And uh, next time we'll be moving on to the next sutra. So this is our last day here in uh, Andaman Islands. If you haven't already seen it, I do recommend um, both the introduction to episode seven of Jay and Sutras, where it gives a basic breakdown with some visuals and stuff like that, fun stuff about these islands and the entirety of episode 10 of the same, Jayan Sutras, where it goes much more in depth. Um, maybe you have no interest in Andaman and Nicobar Islands, but you don't really know what they are, or all you really know is about, oh, well, there's that one island where that Christian missionary went, or whatever it is that you, you don't know. If you haven't already heard those episodes, I do recommend those too. So I decided to use two more cards for that for those of you on the podcast who didn't see me point to the corner of the screen and links pop up.
And so the next time you see me, if all goes according to plan, I'll be back in that familiar looking office in New Delhi. Until then, thank you all for going on this ride with me. And uh, all right, so I'll go ahead and close in the usual manner with the prayer that my father taught me when I was very young. Oh, and the sound quality will be better once we're back there with the microphone. We've got kind of a humming with humming of the air conditioner here, and we're just using the, the phone microphone when we're out on the road like this. I used to bring my microphone along and everything, but eh, eh, it's very heavy. Like, so for my back's sake, I, uh, anyway. <clears throat> to the north and to the south to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Until next time.